Hello and welcome to Ashurst Business Agenda. Ashurst and design, engineering and advisory company Oricon recently announced an advisory alliance implemented as the global transition towards a low carbon future gathers momentum. The alliance promises to bring together the legal and risk expertise of Ashurst with Oricon's deep technical understanding of asset intensive businesses. As they look to work with their clients on the climate risk transition journey and towards a net zero future. Joining me on today's episode is Elena Lambros, partner in Ashurst's risk advisory practice, who also leads the sustainability practice, and Paul Kerno, Ashurst partner and global co-head for energy. Joining Paul and Elena is Oricon Sustainability Group Director Paul Gleason and Principal Infrastructure Advisory Head of Risk and Assurance Strategy Services, Michael Tafe. We will hear from these experts on how the Alliance plans to work with clients on their most pressing challenges where their asset and legal risk exposures and opportunities intersect, the launch offerings of the Alliance and how the Alliance will create opportunities for their clients in a deep decarbonisation environment. So without further ado, let's get into the discussion. Elena, thanks for joining the podcast. I want to start with the why. Um, What's the big point of difference that this alliance presents in a very cluttered marketplace? I think both of us, Oricon and Ashurst, can appreciate that the global landscape on sustainability issues has well and truly shifted. Um, Sustainability is no longer an aspirational goal for organisations. It really is core to the successful growth of a business. So alongside this changing world, our clients are on a journey of transition. And this journey really requires a diverse set of skills to focus on finding the highest and best use opportunities that arise in a decarbonising world while meeting legal obligations and ethical expectations to people, community and environment. I guess that's why I'm personally really excited about this alliance, because I think it brings together an integrated end-to-end solution that meets the challenges involved in pivoting to a sustainable future. You know, we've got strong collaboration across legal, risk consulting and technical advisory to bring a new degree of excellence to our clients. Paul Gleason, From Oricon's perspective, we, we have been seeing a growing trend with you know, how can we best help our clients uh, navigate some of these challenging topics and that it is, it's increasingly difficult to quarantine the scopes of technical, commercial, regulatory, legal and get a good outcome because the space is moving really fast. So while historically that might have been okay to separate out those scopes and then try and knit them back together on the client side, that we think we can help get better outcomes quicker by integrating in the way we come at those problems with our clients. Um, And the other comment I'd make about the question is, yeah, maybe it looks a little bit cluttered at the moment, the marketplace. I'd say it's quite noisy, but I would say also the volume of work that has to be done, um, particularly this decade, is so massive that, um, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll look cluttered for long. I think that we all need to be hands-on and and getting involved in this. And I also think the scale of the challenge, uh, I wouldn't be the first to comment that it's unlikely to be solved in anything other than a collaborative manner. Paul, you mentioned the obvious need in the marketplace for this alliance. And and this alliance definitely targets clients' most pressing challenges where their asset and legal risk exposures and opportunities intersect. Or that, that that's that's what you've shared with the market that this alliance will present. Why is this 
important now? Yeah, it's really clear to us that the set of questions that need to be answered, uh, particularly around topics like climate transition, um, it's, it's near impossible now to separate things like the technical pathways with the economic pathways, with the regulatory changes that are coming. So the, the ability to, to separate out those scopes the way we would historically in a slower moving world, we don't think it's going to get the right outcomes or it's not going to get them quickly enough. So for us, uh, obviously coming from a technical core, a firm like Oricon, to say definitely we see there's a big technical response uh, to a lot of these questions, but you can't actually just evaluate that in isolation anymore. Uh, you actually have to be looking at what's coming from a regulatory point of view at the same time. Yeah, just jumping in there, I think for me, and I've worked in this area for 20 years, I think for me the big change is exactly what we've talked about, the mainstreaming um, and that sort of intersection, that intertwining of technical and regulatory and, um, and economic. I think for me it's really also about the cost of the alternatives are, are more competitive now. And if you think about what was on offer years back uh, in dealing with climate change, often it was very much focused around carbon markets, just carbon offsetting. And there wasn't so much internalizing how companies would really change. Whereas today it's about really changing infrastructure, changing assets, changing business models. And we've seen, I think, the way that costs have come down across a range of technologies, whether that's renewables and others, to make that a, a viable proposition. And so for a lot of, a lot of our clients, they're, they're starting from a risk management point of view, but quickly moving into an implementation uh, around those investments and, the, and those sorts of new assets, uh, new business models. So I think that's a really big shift and it's really only happened in the last, you know, two, three, four years. Michael, I want to bring you into the conversation. Can you share with us some details about how the Alliance will actually work in practice? Always dangerous bringing me into the conversation, but happy to oblige. I think the, the how we work is actually going to be really quite humanistic. For us, we see the types of problems that this Alliance will address as being not cookie cutter, that in actual fact, much of the uniqueness of each client's circumstances means that Every time we see a climate problem that we can contribute to um, and partake in moving towards solution needs a bespoke approach. So the how of this is much more about engaging in ways with clients that allow them to surface the problem in the, in the way it manifests for them. And then describing to them how the different subject matter expertise that our two firms represent can be applied in an integrated way to the solution pathways that they might seek. It really will be not something that we expect will be the same each time, but different every time. Yeah, I would agree with Mike. And I just also add to that, you know, in our discussions and when we're developing this alliance, we've been very open with each other in sort of the terms of the clients that we want to work on sort of problems. So we both kind of see that alignment between what we value and what our clients would value and just making sure that we are working with the right clients who, um, you know, are, are really willing to take this conversation seriously and happy to work with us in the long term to, to get through to the solution. Elena, Asha has been very vocal in its goal to build the consultancy side of its business uh, with the aim of achieving 10% of global firm revenue by 2023. How does this alliance support that goal? So I think with our risk advisory practice, what we've always done is been very thoughtful about the sort of risk advisory areas or expertise that we go into. 
we kind of start by looking at what our legal expertise uh, is and make sure that we've got a clear adjacency to that. To us, it's really important to have that alignment because we've got some very strong legal partners in the marketplace and we want to support them and work with the client along that journey. So for me, this is just a ex natural extension of this where we get to utilize both the legal expertise. We've got Oricon's, you know, incredible expertise around engineering and design and the risk advisory just really kind of flows from that. So I think it will be a really good supporter of that growth and really align with our strategy of just focusing on areas where we can deliver to the best of our ability. The Oricon approach to this has, is quite similar, I think, in terms of the way it's supporting the growth, the broader growth of our business as well, is a similar journey. So, you know, we've we've been building an advisory practice adjacent to our, our engineering core for over five years now. And it's really proven to be, I think, a better way of, of solving problems for clients. I think that, you know, the, as an engineer myself, I, I would say that the value of, of deep technical knowledge and of engineering is is pretty clear. I'd like to think it's pretty clear, um, but actually being able to frame that and uh, focus that capability through an advisory lens, uh, or in this case, through a risk framework is, is incredibly valuable. Uh, and both sides of that, of that equation have been learning uh, quite a bit within our business. So, so for us, it's a natural progression. You know, we've, we're still largely a technical firm uh, and then the advisory growth that we've done uh, internally has, has got us to a point and we're now to a point where we're looking at, well, how do we continue that through partnerships like this one? Michael, you mentioned that it's not a cookie cutter approach to uh, looking at and servicing clients. So what offerings are you going to be focusing on during this initial launch phase of the Alliance? Our focus is going to be on the hard problem um, and the problems that we're more eminence is needed, not less. When we look across the marketplace of service providers that are giving advice on these topics, we see the market sort of falling almost into two broad camps. On one side, you have uh, organisations and firms that sell themselves or present themselves as being one-stop shops. Our value proposition is precisely the opposite. We go with a sense that the problems in their current manifestation need deep subject matter expertise and that it's about the integration of an ecosystem of advice that will make uh, the types of topics that we aspire to help our clients with more successful outcomes. Of course, right now the and for the foreseeable future, the, the immediate complexity of climate transition makes that a, a natural field of play for, for this alliance. We also see, though, broader social licence to operate and uh, even resilience outcomes, given some of the changes we're expecting in federal government legislation and regulatory approaches. The intersection of having a, a legal advisor paired with an engineering capital asset advisor and ensuring that the risks that those types of circumstances and new operating environments for businesses represent, that we are integrated in the way in which we face them has massive value. If I think about social license and what that means for our clients, you know, I've kind of seen through the work that we're doing that, you know, more progressive organisations are really starting to see this as a class of risk in their own right. So what we're seeing is that basically you're lifting it up to that kind of board level conversation and making sure that you've got strong governance and a board level commitment to resourcing, measuring and leading around this. I mean, I think it's quite clear from all of the press recently that organisations that, you know, consistently maintain strong social licence achieve high levels of trust 
and those organisations that don't, you know, have some of those issues that we've seen with um, leadership changes and a lot of, um, you know, negative share prices and all that sort of impact. So I think social licence is um, definitely something that our clients are taking more seriously and, and putting in place. What What's really exciting for, for us and, and for the all of the lawyers at, at Ashes is I think that the way Michael put it, the ecosystem is really a, a nice way to put it because often as lawyers, you either come in maybe at the, the tail end of things, the clients have already gone through a whole process and you're just sort of implementing. And that's that's a big part of also what we offer. But building in that sort of governance and regulatory sort of compliance piece upfront together with risk advisory, plus the technical and sort of engineering design piece is really exciting space for, for lawyers to be. And it also means that by the time we are coming in and actually being part of the implementation of those plans and strategies that come out of that, you know, we have a better understanding of it. And I think it also means we're much better lawyers to those clients uh, because of that. That's good, Paul. Yeah. And look, on the to get a little more specific too on the engineering side, so in addition to the advisory skills that, that Mike talked about, uh, for us, we can see there are some some skills, some capabilities we've got at the moment that are getting drawn very hard into some of these topics. And our key example would be um, the decarbonisation capability that we've built over a number of years now, working with a number of clients, helping them to map diff different technical pathways um, to decarbonise their operations and their assets. So that one's really clear in its linkage, but the, the other things are emerging pretty fast for us as well. You know, it's quite hard actually to for a client to just look at something like transition risk without also looking at physical risk. So we're starting to see more and more having to overlay these multiple scenarios. And so for us in our business, that means, so we've got people in say our future energy practice who are really strong on the decarbonisation options. Then we've got a growing capability around um, about climate physical risk. So people that can actually model different climate scenarios. And then the best part is actually that the cascade below that is all of the engineering heritage gets pulled in then because once you start to run those scenarios, you'll need a structural engineer, for example, to look at what does that increased wind loading do or, you know, a marine structures person to say what happens, you know, with this bit of sea level rise or increased cyclone frequency intensity, all that stuff getting overlaid on the transition and what's going on about, you know, as the world heads to net zero. Um, the story for us is, you know, uh, it's really about how do we get all of our people to be able to contribute and play in this space. And there's a huge desire from within our business for for pretty much everyone to be able to play a part in it. So that, that's one of the things I love about this is it's a way of um, really making use of, of the old and the new. Really good point, Paul, because we see that on our side and, and certainly, you know, younger lawyers and next generation coming through, everyone is just really committed to this this area and so to be able to offer something like this um, I think is really compelling for those those lawyers and I guess the same to Paul's point you know it's hard to actually think of a an area of legal practice at ASHES that isn't touched by uh, this whole area of, of, of climate risk net zero energy transition it, it really covers every practice group on our side um, you know and that that's everything around sort of corporate governance and compliance. It's across all of the financial regulatory reporting aspects. There's all the transactional side in terms of all the investments, the, the financing, uh, as well as, you know, uh, disputes and, and I guess the, the support around potential climate litigation. So it really covers the full breadth of, of the, uh, the legal services. 
So there's no doubting the the currency of the issues that you guys will be exploring. And let's talk about the actual teams that will be delivering on these uh, projects. So we're, we've got an environment where there's skill shortages, particularly in these highly technical areas that you guys will be involved in. What sort of skill sets are we seeing from the Asher side in regards to developing these teams? Yeah, so I might just talk to the one that I'm closest to, which is risk management. So for us, you know, we've grown our risk advisory practice quite quickly. We're sitting at around 80 people already. Um, I think our teams really like the sort of challenges that we work on and really appreciate the caliber of people that we partner with, such as Oricon and our legal teams. So for me, risk, um, I mean, I name a risk person, the risk management is so important to these types of challenges. You know, risk has to have that strong seat at the table. They have to be there right when you're planning what, you would need to change and where you need to go through to your implementation and to the end. You know, if you've got a really strong risk voice, you've got your informed risk management frameworks, you've kind of got dynamic and flexible risk practices in place, I think, you know, the organisation can kind of navigate through what is quite a complex world. Elena and I would share a passion here. Um, uh, there's no better time to be a risk junkie. Uh, and for me to be sitting inside an engineering organisation and looking across and seeing a legal partner, um, it's super exciting. The, the Where Elena goes is where I go. The, much of what the risk function does for businesses um, in solving these problems is helping to navigate. We're about decision science. We're about ambiguity management. We're about future scenario forecasting and how do you create activities and plans that are fitted for, adaptable to, agile in the face of persistent complexities and ambiguities. That's the that's the world that we love and enjoy. There's no better time to be a risk practitioner and to be working across across the aisle from other risk practitioners that have similar mindsets. So we've heard the why, we've we've heard what your offerings are going to be and also the teams to support those offerings. You, you're operating in an environment with huge disruption. The, the net zero and environmental risk uh, spaces are just ripe for change. I'm really interested, and Paul Gleason, I might start with you, on the specific opportunities that the Alliance will create for your clients in this deep carbonisation environment. Look, I appreciate that one, Ben, because I do very much like to focus on the opportunity as much as the risk here because, um, and particularly for our Australian-based clients, there is significant opportunity associated with a lot of this. So while there's a lot of work to navigate and help choose the right pathways, there's also a lot of upside for the players if, if they can actually play a part in the transition. That's starting to become visible to people now. Uh, I think it probably was less visible over the last few years. But what's pleasing to me is, is a bit of a shift away from a winners and losers conversation and towards an idea of if we get this right, we actually enable the whole economy to, to thrive and prosper. So for us, when we look at you know, for specific clients to be able to say, okay, maybe your core business isn't directly exposed to uh, global decarbonisation in terms of your business model, uh, but you've just got to find a way to get your operations to net zero so you can play in that. And, and the, you know, the likelihood at some point in the future, someone will look at what's the embodied carbon in the products you're producing uh, and to make sure you've got that covered off. But for others, it's more existential and it's more helping them look at, well, how are you going to replace the revenues today that you've got today? Um, in, let's say that it's a fossil fuel based or whatever it might be that means actually needs to be a fundamental look at the business model itself uh, and that 
there is actually some answers there. There are actually things you can move into, you know, that are either adjacent or new, and we can help them start to to map those opportunities out. Thanks, Paul. Mike here as well, just sort of reflecting on that and just sharing how awesome it is to be a, a risk practitioner in an engineering business where a risk conversation ends up with an engineer asking me, so what do I build? Um, and that it, the concept of opportunity and growth is uh, is culturally in the DNA in these organisations. So it very rarely is there a conversation that doesn't end with a, so can I build something now? What is it that I'm going to actually start to turn my hand towards in terms of the new thing? Oh, and the only thing I wanted to add to that is from a client's perspective, for me, I just see so many people setting goals, setting aspirations, trying to meet all of their stakeholder expectations. And I think the beauty of this alliance is that between us, we can kind of work with people to actually get that into implementation and deliver an outcome. So I really like to see an outcome um, moving forward from all of these discussions. I think that's really great. Yeah, what a wonderful observation to finish. Elena, Michael, Paul, and Paul, thank you very much for joining Ashurst Business Agenda. For more information on the Alliance, please visit ashurst.com and oricongroup.com. If you enjoy Ashurst Business Agenda, why not check out our other two podcast series as well? Ashurst Legal Outlook explains the emerging legal trends and requirements of our fast-changing world. And ESG Matters at Ashurst reveals how business leaders are rising to mounting environmental, social and governance challenges. You can listen and subscribe to Legal Outlook and ESG Matters wherever you get your podcasts.